Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Lodge 49. Welcome back to Streaming in Place. Uh, we are talking about Lodge 49, Season 2, Episode 5, Estrella y Mar. I think that's right. That's what it, that's how it sounded in the episode anyway. Um, I am Liz's two-ducking-early t-shirt, Allison Shoemaker, joined by my fearless, intrepid co-hosts, Dud's Paper Towel Value Pack, Noel Kirkpatrick, and the wrong pairs, Kate Kalzik. Uh, how are y'all doing today? <laughs> well, I did go grocery shopping today for the first time in, like, quite a long time. Uh, and it was very stressful. So yeah, that, that tracks. Great. Great. How about you, Noel? I'm okay. I do want to be upfront with the class and say that I did do the reading. However, I was not paying super close attention while I was doing the reading. Why ever could that be in this last <laughs> so, week of, you know, life? I don't know. I may no. not be super helpful during this discussion, but I will try my best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we might all, um, we might all be in that place. Uh, yeah. Listeners, depending on when you're hearing this, you may or may not be aware that as we're talking, uh, the House is currently debating the second impeachment of the current sitting president of the United States. Um, And it's been a weird one, and it's just getting weirder. I, for one, just found out that uh, Annie Hathaway would prefer to be called Annie and would wishes everyone would just call her Annie, which makes perfect sense. She's definitely an Annie. So that was a a, a nice five minute distraction from Wait, everything else. Where did that happen? I want to know about that. Uh, she was she's impressed. She, she did an interview. Thing, right? Yeah, she was interviewing for the for her pandemic heist mm-hmm. movie, which I'm very excited about. By the BT dubs, I love a heist. Yeah. It's true. Um, I really do love a heist. Uh, anyway, she was on the Tonight Show, and and Jimmy Fallon, James, sorry, James Fallon said he didn't know whether he should call her Anne or Annie because he knows her friends will call her Annie. She said, please call me Annie. I wish everyone would call me Annie uh, because people look uncomfortable when they call me Anne because I'm obviously not an Anne. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? It's right. That's true. I mean, I, it, it never suited her. She's definitely an Annie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Annie Hathaway's man. The Annie Hathaway's. <laughs> but we should talk about Estrella Imar. Uh, we should talk about Lenore the Crocodile. We should talk about the new location of the pool, the, the pool slide. Uh, we should talk about the reappearance of the door to nowhere, um, which sounds like a really great talking heads cover band. Um, we should talk about blaze, mm-hmm. but maybe let's start by talking about Dud's marriage. Cause that se- that's where the episode starts. It seems like a good place to, to, to start off. What, how are we feeling about poor old Dud and Beth? Uh, I am very grateful for the call it that, that you have on, on this one, Allison, and that they did indeed have all that wrapped up in an episode. Uh, I think they did a pretty good job of keeping the balance between comic and tragic. I think they found that uh, really nicely. And um, yeah, (laughs) tying in Blaze is like, well, you know, crucifixion is a very understandable reason to push you right over to divorce land. I mean, Um, it's not quite a crucifixion. Like it's, it's in the, it's on the, it's in the, on the way to being crucifixion. But there are a couple more steps. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, I thought it worked. I thought it was uh, a good indicator of where Dud is at, um, which is more on the tragic side of things. But but I thought that as a way to get him to assess 
his current choices and where he's spending his time and how he feels about like what his priorities are. I thought that it actually was surprisingly effective. Yeah, I agree. Um, I absolutely agree, but I want to hear Noel's take first. Noel, where are you with Dud and Beth? Yeah, I, I agree as well. I think that it's a really good sort of follow through on that discussion he has with El Confidente that I referenced last week about the beach and the family and everything about that and just suddenly being able to have that, even though he was quite concussed. <laughs> just <laughs> If you know you're concussed... Why are you getting married? Um, why are you still married? <laughs> I mean, it's, see, it, I will say it does seem like really solid grounds for annulment. Yes. Like, literally, I was heavily concussed. Yeah. My judgment was impaired. Yeah. A guy had uh, hit yeah. me with a frying pan. I should not have been allowed to marry this person. So, yeah, I think that it was a really good follow through on that. And I think that the delightful layers of we have both made a horrible mistake really kind of came through consistently throughout the episode from poor dear sweet Tim wanting $5,000 for both of those rings, mm-hmm. but not wanting any of those donuts. And then Temp Joy assigning him to that same office where they both work. And someone is writing mean things about Beth and the stalls. And I know it's you, whatever your name was. Carla. I think it was Carla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, was just beautiful like i also really appreciated that was like a scene and we never went back to that office for the rest of the episode because we didn't need to we got everything we needed in and out really great economy of storytelling um storytelling economy of storytelling storytelling economy i don't know my brain is so tired um that it, it just all really hung together really really nicely and then i think to have it everything kind of climax at lenore at the gambling track was at the horse track, I think was just really, really smart. I totally agree. I think your point about the economy of storytelling is really well made uh, because I feel like it's exactly as long as we need it to be to both be really clear on what is happening and uncomfortable. Like we're not skimping on the badness of the decision. It's just that every step, every scene that we get that's focused on the storyline is so uncomfortable that it's like nuclear strength sort of. Mm-hmm. Um and I think in particular, the contrast of Scott's re- understandable reaction to getting shot in the leg with a nail gun um, <laughs> when he finally hits his target uh, to Beth's completely silent reaction to her not crucifixion, but not not in the ballpark. Um, I think that uh, that contrast is also really useful because one of them is sort of of this world and battling inside it. And one of them is like, very obviously shouldn't be there. <laughs> Could not. When she points to the hole and it's like, the restroom is this way. Great. Uh, yes. That the is, hole um, you just went through. <laughs> yes. Go through that hole. Um, I think that that contrast is really useful. Uh, so maybe blaze is a good place to go next. Cause speaking of comic and tragic, um, blaze yeah let's uh give some love to pasquezzi because uh which i'm sure i just pronounced his name wrong but he's so good here um and uh yeah he's having a having a rough go rough go of things i'm very intrigued i listeners i now that we're at a place where none of us have seen these episodes it makes the chat like the the texting more interesting because you know (laughs) previously it was like one of us had always seen whatever we were watching so you could always text that person at least to be like, oh my god, this thing. But then 
we don't, I don't know when these people have seen it, you know, so I don't want to spoil anything. So I was just like, t- I watched it right away last, uh, you know, on Monday and just touched cliffhanger, cliffhanger. <laughs> and see, I thought, I thought the cliffhanger was going to be the actual cliffhanger when she's walking toward the, the door. Me cliff. too. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought it was. And then it was like, no, it's not. It's a double cliffhanger. Because I thought that's what it was. I thought that we were at the end of the episode with that very weird vision. And we were not. Um, But also, sidebar, I really appreciate Tim calling out the door and Dad being like, I have no idea what that is. Anyway, Kate, continue. Well, in the episode, just being like, well, there's, you know, I've heard a bunch of different things. Cut to credits. We're not going to tell you what any of them are. Yeah. <laughs> it's very fun. But yeah, no, I'm concerned. I'm, we'll come back to Connie, I'm sure. I'm concerned for Blaze. Uh, hopefully everything's okay. Uh, and there's, he's not on his way to becoming a corpus. So, uh, <laughs> Noel, how are you feeling about Blaze? I'm, now that now that we're talking about corpus, I'm really concerned. It's a time loop. Um, it's not a time loop. <laughs> it's not a time I, loop. I, I but yeah. Watch Forty Nine to do a time loop episode. Can you imagine? Just it would just be dead eating donuts. Like I would watch no, that. It would be dud trying to settle down. So it seems like a time loop episode, but really he's just working a nine to five. <laughs> okay, like that's Lodge Forty Nine's version of a time loop, right? Because they don't do. They don't really do supernatural shit. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, I uh, see, now I'm mourning its passing all over again. Please, somebody. <laughs> Season three of Lodge 49. Yeah, I'm really curious about what happened to Blaze there. Um, and I really like Blaze's whole journey in this episode, from losing his apprentice to losing his... Losing his material worlds as a sign that he needs to focus on the metaphorical which is increasingly not becoming metaphorical for blaze which i really like watching that transition happen and then to physical acts of violence against scott that then he immediately is very apologetic for them happening to him like you said kate someone who clearly does not need to be here um and but responds appropriately to the weirdness of okay uh (laughs) So I, I just, I like that there's a, this fed upness with Blaze happening, but also that there's still a Blaze core there somewhere. It's just Scott's doing everything in his power to drive him away. And the world is doing everything in his power to, its power to drive Blaze away. So I'm, I'm, I'm worried that he's ascended somehow. Or he literally did find another secret room. That Wyatt Russell was unable yeah. to find. It's gonna be a secret room. That's what it is. There's another secret room. Yeah. It's and I yeah. think there's like a yeah. button behind that. They kept showing that Raven art on the wall uh-huh. or whatever it was. It's something there. I'm assuming, but yeah. I was sort of figuring that maybe it would be somehow related to whatever closet Connie ended up in. Sure. But then I also think that this is the kind of show that would want us thinking about, like the wherever the secret doors in the lodge are when really that's not the point you know it's that's all sort of a misdirect and the real mysteries are life's mysteries right it's not the psychic who's a fake psychic it's um the the psychic who tells you that twins are a cosmic error and that you're in the wrong place like that's the show anyway um i agree that i am very worried about blaze um although we know it wasn't the work of what is the gang that Dud made up to scare pool party? Um, oh. When they thought it was like the knife boys, the knife yeah. something boys, because Scott is t- tips blaze off that he's hearing about a new gang. <laughs> um, 
and they might be responsible for the burglary at his shop. Um, do you think that there's there are other reasons that Blaze is not uh, more concerned about what happened to him? Um, is there anything beyond it was very shocking and he was already spiraling, or um, does this does the shop uh, have some other function? Do you think? I think he's just lost his stability, right? So he, you know, over time has been whittled away. And the last little thing he had was his connection with Dud that he felt like was really solid and he could rely on. And then he loses that in this episode. So going from, like, he's, because we find out in the last couple episodes, right, he lost his apartment um, after the the person who owned it died. And it got, uh, you know, they sold it to a different company. And then he lost his, he's got, had this direction with his work with Dud. And that seemed to be all coming together. And then that fell apart with like the whole trip to Mexico thing um, in combination with the slip up at his shop, you know, like, and so it's just all, you know, the last thing of like, I can't be your apprentice. It just like pushes him over the edge. He's needed, he's been tipping for a while, I think, um, and has needed help and people have not been noticing or able to help him before now so that's why he's acting out so dramatically like not like in in such a dramatic fashion like this is the result of like i don't know what i say to my students is like you know when they're practicing uh if they're doing a lot of very detailed like drilling kind of practice uh all of a sudden it's like they will listen to your body because if your pain if you're scared to get pain as you're playing you gotta stop you got to stretch, you got to rest because pain is your body yelling at you. And if you if you don't listen, when your body starts to yell at you, it's going to start screaming, which is going to be when you give yourself tendonitis or, you know, you're going to shut down. So this is, Blaze has been not listening to his, his, like his, I don't know, his mental state and his body yelling at him and now screaming. And um, so that's why he's at where he's at. Yeah. I think maybe it was Noel who should also maybe get a caldish for um talking about blaze and scott's conflict coming to a head in this episode Uh, although i i don't know if you could have predicted nail gun right no 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 (laughs) and it's it's not technically a nail gun until it's like on right i remember some show making a joke about a nail gun recently and i can't remember what it was or some show i was watching i can't remember anyway um Speaking of Scott, uh, I know we'll want to talk about Connie, but uh, but I think that this is a pretty great Scott episode, too, because he's so obviously wrong. And yet when he when he steps away from the blaze situation and his handyman techniques seem to have improved slightly. Oh, yeah. Slightly, though. Yeah. Um, when he steps away from the blaze situation for a minute, the next time we hear him talk about it, it there's no bitterness. There's no rancor. He's very calm. He is obviously concerned, frustrated, but concerned. And I think that that comes through in his conversations with Connie and Connie and Ernie in this episode. He is a per- he's a character who I would not like personally, but who I think they they the show does a really good job of making clear that despite all of his dickishness, he is fundamentally a pretty decent person. Yeah, I think that they're I think that one of the things that works really well about their main cast of characters at the lodge is that these are people who all care a lot about everyone. They just don't do a good job of sometimes expressing that or the ways in which that they demonstrate that care is not always good. 
Don't always listen. Uh, right, exactly. Scott's whole thing about caring has been trying to salvage the lodge and maintain that sense of stability for everyone, but also specifically himself while everything else around him is spiraling. And his ways of doing that have been increasingly draconian or lashing out, whether it's calling in the tabs, doing the reading of the names, to banishing Jocelyn. It's all been stuff that I think is recognizable as things to keep the lodge going, but executed in really bad ways, going back to like the light bulbs. Um, and I think you're right, Allison, is that this is not a human being I would like to be around in any way, shape or form. But he is soundly a guy who actively wants to do the right thing, just is really shitty at doing it, down to his marriage with Connie and the idea of, I don't want an open marriage. Buddy, you just approved one last season. And while, yes, you can absolutely change your mind about that kind of a thing, this is a weird track for you suddenly to be on. (laughs) Well, and to say, I'm not doing a hippie three-person marriage. Yeah. But if we're doing a hippie three-person marriage, we're going to need you. You'd see with the whole sentence, we're going to need better communication. We need to know, yeah. need to know what's going on. Like, <laughs> which is like, I'm not doing it. But I, but that's him saying that was the opening sentence to him agreeing to that. Right. Right. Exactly. Because um, yeah. he, because he, despite the fact that we are not, we are not Scott stands on this podcast um, in realties, that he does, like, there is a core, um, He's trying and he cares, um, it, you know, to that character that they never lose track of. And that's also very much in the performance, too. It's in the writing mm-hmm. and the direction, but also very much in the performance that keeps you interested and invested in the character. Um, it is so important. It's it's one of those things that so many shows don't get a grapple on with their characters that are antagonistic forces. And so you don't end up enjoying or wanting to spend any time or, or emotional investment on those these types of characters. And Lodge Forty Nine gets that absolutely right with Scott, so that we, I am, I am invested in Scott. I do care what happens with Scott, even if mm-hmm. you know, I'm not all. I, I want a happy as much as we can get a happy ending for all these characters. I want him to come to some sort of peace and um, you know serenity in his life as much as he can. Yeah, um, I think that even without the sort of and antagonistic tendencies that the show does a really good job and the cast does a really good job of taking characters that it would be very easy to play more broadly and making them much more layer that's that's scott that eric allen kramer who plays scott that's also true of jeremy and daniel stewart sherman who plays jeremy um i had to look up his name but um uh scarface shamrock's person is champ played by david yuri and other shamrock's person um, the jousting person is uh, Gerson, played by Atkins Estimond, um, and they are really great, I think, as well. It takes more water to make a plastic bottle of water. That can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> Fire plus water equals, hold on, magic. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's talk about Sonia Cassidy. Um, oh. One of the names I considered for one of you for today was the Emmy Sonia Cassidy was robbed of. Um, because she's so good in this episode. Yeah. That scene at, at the in the bar at the track will just rip your guts right out, won't it? Yeah. Um, everything for her is a everything for Liz is a really bad journey in this from her whole Yeah, we don't need to buy anything. We just need to find other people below us to buy it. And it's just like you're just describing a pyramid scheme still, Liz. You're still <laughs> describing a pyramid scheme. 
Um, but Kate's right. Like the slide being in her room now is great. I love that the slide just keeps moving around the apartment. And I have so many questions about its height and the weird hammer space that this apartment is. Um, (laughs) Because I don't feel like they should have gotten it in the doorway now that I think about it. And yet they have, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, But her trying to sell Phydro to Gershon, Jeremy, and Champ is great. and But also Jeremy being like, we can't do this. Like, God bless that man of, yeah, my wife just wants to start staying home with the kids. So I really don't have the money to do this. And Liz, I'm still very much in love with you, but I'm not going to do this. Um, <laughs> he doesn't say that, but it's it's conveyed. It's when he there. talks about marriage to Dud, yes. it's like, oh, God, Jeremy, poor Jeremy. That's why you miss Shamrocks. Mm-hmm. It kept you busy. Yeah. But think of the rats. <laughs> it's just such a half-hearted pitch from yeah. Liz, which is absolutely appropriate because she knows this is complete bullshit and she can't bring herself to really try to sell it, um, which then, of course, leads to all of our tension at the bar. Yeah, which, I mean, I can't really dig into too deeply because I was sort of losing attention a little bit, uh, which I hate. And I meant to rewatch this before we talked, but the general sense of that scene was just so really impressive for me. Um, And watching Sonia Cassidy just break after um, Lenore and the woman who plays Lenore just demolishes the both of them in this, um, in this bar was really gutting. Um, And I just, I think that's part of the reason I had to look away is and do something else. Was just like I am not, I'm not prepared for someone to yell at the Dudleys <laughs> and be correct in yelling at the Dudleys. Um, was really, I think, the bigger thing of like I can't watch this right now. And then just watching her cry, it was just like I can't do this either. I'm not going to do this either. Um, can we go back to James Urbanak and his cookies? <laughs> and his hot tips because he just hangs around at the track a lot that he's not actually. <laughs> but oh, by the way, twins are a cosmic error. Yeah, exactly. It's just like yeah. which is not a which is not a hot take. Like a number of number of cultures and mythologies feel that way about twins. That is not a hot take. Like for me, the thing that stands out with that Urbaniac scene, uh, besides going ah, James Urbaniac, awesome, mm-hmm. um, is just how masterfully they control the tone of it through that's through the pacing and the direction and the performances but also through the scoring and the lighting and camera work and everything um that shift in tone is instant and really effective but and, and jarring but in a, in a in a good way right as opposed to um, it doesn't feel like it comes out of nowhere it feels very lodge 49 um and the same thing is true when we're in the bar with lenore too when like just lenore decides to lash out you know when when we get that point of friction with with Liz and Lenore, it's uh, it feels very aggressive and sudden, uh, but it also completely fits with the characters. It also tells you everything you need to know about uh, their dad's relationship with her too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Um, I think that maybe there's something interesting to be mind and thinking about sort of the place that Liz gets pushed to as opposed to where we leave Connie, um, who's literally moving through the dark only <laughs> the Linda Emmond is so good with that blindfold on because without moving her mouth, 
you can watch her begin to count her steps. I don't know how it is that I knew that that's what she was doing, but I could tell she was walking and then she was counting her steps. So when she stopped and turned, I was not surprised. Um, that was an incredible piece of physical acting. Lots of really great physical acting in this, I think. Um, but but Liz and Connie both sort of ending up like weirdly empty, but also full, I guess, is fascinating to me. And in Dead Ends almost, but Dead Ends that open into something else. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also like what you just said, Allison, really made me think about the fact of the geography of the lodge and the ways in which counting steps within lodge one and how that leads you to something even though it's just a straight hallway (laughs) apparently um and how that leads to this closet i'm really curious about again this gets back to what i was kind of talking about where this is a puzzle but the puzzle ultimately doesn't matter of what does the counting awaken in the geography of lodge 49 how does that steer you um, and is this like a golden ratio kind of thing with all the lodge kind of constructions that have all just happened to align because of the links and because of um, what's his name? The main founder whose name is Harwood Fritz Merrill. Fritz Merrill. Yeah. Um, and how that all connects basically um, just a spitball at that because it just the, the paralleling of that I think is really good. Um, but I don't know that it means anything other than just think about that and think about serendipity in -hmm. your life and how that can affect how you see things and approach things, which is really common to a lot of things down to the fact of what the name of the horse that wins is the, uh, stars in the sea. Right. And then being like the scariest thing I can imagine is swimming in the ocean at night, which is the only time you can see the stars. Um, and just that sheer contrast of that being the winning horse and that being the scariest possible thing. Well, and uh, Dud with his pool of stars in uh, the Orbis mm-hmm. basement, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like what, or whatever that is, which, of course, I'm assuming we're going to get more with Orbis. Uh, we have to get more with Orbis after that, you know, little nugget about the logo. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of... I don't know something there's some, pr- pretend a useful transition happened. Um, I, it's really just that I want to start to predict what it is that's going to happen in the next episode so that we can end so that I can watch the next episode. <laughs> hey, wait, 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 we can do this. Um, speaking of more to come with Orbis, maybe it'll happen in the next episode. Allison, could you tell us what is the title of the next episode? Yes. The title, the title of the next episode, uh, which Seems like it should be a shitty title, but based on this episode is definitely not, is Circles. All Circles Vanish! All Circles Vanish, which is, of course, the title of the premiere of this season, um, which we hear a song in that premiere that includes that lyric. um, Blaze says says it in this episode. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, So it seems, uh, I don't know what Circles are vanishing, but that seems important. Uh, so predictions, what do we think is going to happen? Okay, secret room or like like trapdoor or something for Blaze yeah. is yeah. the first thing. Um, and you know, y'all know, you know, we've talked about it. I would love for it to be a book or a sconce triggering it, but I will also take buttons. I will also take other options. <laughs> um, the Then I, 
I want, don't know if it'll happen. I want and need more with Connie um, and her to talk to someone about what she feels like she saw. Uh, maybe that won't come in the next episode, but you know, I would like that. Uh, I, Despite not having a reason to, I am not really all that worried about Liz and Dud right now because it was just so peaceful watching them leave together. Um, that was like, they they got each other. They'll be okay. Is the, very much the sense I left that on. So I'm hoping that is the end of Lenore for us. Come on, series wrap on Lenore. Um, and then other circles, uh, I mean... There's just so many different things it could, it could be. Um, so I guess I'll go with, I'm just going to take it back to plumbing and something with Ernie and, you know, toilets and circles that way. Ooh, just, circling just, the drain. Well, I wasn't going that ominous with it. I just meant like, I don't know. So, so like, there's a lot of circles and piping and plumbing and that kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah, that's true. No, that's great. Um, I am going to say something a little bit different because I am worried about the Dudleys and I have two Dudley related predictions, um, both sort of inspired by this episode, but also kind of the title, actually, definitely the title when I thought it was stretching. Now I don't. Um, so f- for Liz, I think this is the episode where we get Liz at the lodge. Okay. Okay. I think that she is. She's ready. She's. If whether she's ready or not is sort of at a like a breaking point. Like we've been talking about when Liz is going to hit bottom, and I don't know if Liz has hit bottom, but I think that Liz now sees where she's at in a different way after being chewed out by Lenore the way that she was, um, and you know trying to sell Fidro to her friends. Um, Fidro's a circle. So I think the logo's a circle. <laughs> so I think. So I think Liz goes to the lodge um, and maybe it'll be to try to sell Fidra. Who knows? But I, that's my Liz bet. Um, and I think Dud's injury is getting significantly worse. Um, and I think that that's good because first of all, that would be a loop, right? If it started to get worse again, um, I think that Wyatt Russell does a really great job of communicating that in both funny ways, like when he's carrying Beth and you can see him sort of stagger because that dude obviously can carry that woman. So that's just like really good physical acting. Um, But especially when he, bless his heart, decides that the best way to get into where Blaze has barricaded himself is to throw his body at the door and he can't actually run because his limp has gotten so bad. Um, I thought he was going to like full Giamatti his way through that with his head (laughs) is what I thought he was going to do. And I was both happy that he did not do that, but a little disappointed. Yeah, we got we got our closest um, post- uh, flash forward Giamatti sighting. God, I hope Giamatti too. kept that poster of himself as a serious author. <laughs> I hope so too. Um, uh, right next to a picture of him is John Adams above the fireplace. That's my hope. Um, so yeah, so I think I think we're going to get confirmation that Dud's injury is getting worse and what it means. Uh, and my bet is that it resonates with him on a personal level in some lodgy way um but also that he is not taking any medication because the hospital's being a dick about his bills yeah um so i'm very worried about dud i'm not so worried about liz i think liz maybe had a little breakthrough i am extremely concerned about dud yeah. <laughs> and his forehead slowly fading forehead bruise they're so good at continuity makeup on the show it's they a really little are. ridiculous continuity in general the the fidro everywhere in the mm-hmm. Dudley house was not as specific as I was hoping with the bathroom, but it is everywhere. And then when we see it, oh, what's his name? 
Um, Orbis guy, what, yeah. Orbis guy, Orbis Lodge member. Um, the engineer. Yeah. Gil. 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 Yeah, that yeah right. Gil Sandoval um, with Phydro in his hand. I was like, holy shit. Um, they're very good with that shit. They love a, a visual gag and or callback. Like the mirror and the coffee table. I don't know that I have a solid prediction for circles. Um, I mean, I feel like that implies that we're going to get some sense of something from the past kind of coming back. Uh, so maybe Avery suddenly resurfaces now that um, what's her name has. Um, Daphne, yeah. Daphne has returned maybe from Mexico with El Comandante. Um and but yeah something like if we didn't know that bruce campbell was wasn't coming back (laughs) i would assume the captain was coming back somehow um which i still really want but yeah i feel like something from the past has to resurface here in some way shape or form um i don't know what that is um but this season is this is also a really safe bet because i really do feel like this season has been really focused on the past in a way that season one was not um so yeah, something maybe along those lines, but I don't know. Okay. I got I have nothing fun is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think it would be I like I feel like tr- guessing anything too fun would be jinxing us, you know. Right, exactly, but also I just don't want to anticipate the show that much either. Mm-hmm. Um is my other problem is like I don't want to guess. I don't want to start guessing about the show because I like being surprised by the show. Great. Yeah. Cool. Well, we will be surprised by the show again next week. When we come back on Monday to talk about Lodge 49, Season 2, Episode 6. Six yes. sounds right. I moved away already. Oops. Uh, circles. Um, I am stoked. We will be back then. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Sorry, I just it. There was just a noise that sounded like a blue whale. Could you hear that through the microphone? That was wild. Okay, it's such. I mean, and who knows? Whales flying through the sky. I wouldn't have believed it a year ago, but now who knows? Who fucking knows? Oh, anyway.